Hi there, a quick note before we begin the episode. Did you know that Atlas Lingue has its own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life. In this audiobook, we share additional exclusive commentaries on each episode with brand new insights and examples on the subject that we can't stop thinking about, how humans translate everything that comes their way. Also remember, when you buy Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. So find Atlas Lingue, the layers of language behind everyday life, on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of Atlas Lingue, the show produced by Studio Ochenta that's all about culture, communication, and translation. I'm your host, Luis Lopez. Today we're talking to Tufik. He's a Lebanese content creator based in London. And what I love about his content is just how fun, hilarious, and culturally specific it can be. A lot of the humor in his videos isn't easily understood if you, like me, don't speak Arabic. But I really enjoy how he showcases the diversity in Arabic music through his dance videos, as well as how he has a lot of fun performing highly dramatic Arabic reactions to things. In our conversation, we talk about what he misses the most from his hometown of Beirut, and how he's found his voice for a mostly Arabic-speaking audience. So, here's our conversation with Tufik. Enjoy! Tufik, uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to that podcast. Um, I'm very happy to be here um, and I'm ready to rock that podcast. Ask all the questions you need to know and I'm here to answer. Awesome. Thank you so much. So to start, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, uh, where you grew up and how you know your environment, your family, your community started to influence the content that you eventually came to, to make? Yeah, definitely. So I was born and raised in Beirut back in Lebanon. And um, I moved to the UK when I was 17. So I was finishing up with school and I came to the UK to um, do my undergraduate program. I wanted to do biomedical engineering and the degree was not available back in Beirut. So it was either going to Paris, which was not my first choice because even though I'm a French educated person, I just wanted to explore the English educated side of education. And yeah, believe it or not, like London is quite close to Lebanon. It's like just a four hour ride. So I decided to, uh, to come to the UK. How did my page start? Um, I think that my page, um, it started when I was still in Beirut, but it didn't grow up until I actually came to the UK and I started doing things that people could relate to and associate to. And these were the things that I used to miss back at home. Oh. You know, like 
normal behavior that your parents would do, um, the differences between siblings, talking about my daily life in the UK, exploring the immigrant life. Um, how is it to move to another country? Was it just like a completely different mindset and culture and how to adapt to it? And I guess it actually worked. Like a lot of people, a lot of Arabs, everyone just clicked well on it. So yeah, this is this is how it happened. I wonder if these experiences that you mentioned, uh, I guess when you were still living in Lebanon, you probably might have taken for granted or at least like maybe not given that much thought into them until you moved and started to to miss them and notice that they were no longer a part of your daily life. Oh, definitely. You know, there are a lot of things that I used to do in Lebanon that are considered taboo in the UK and vice versa. Like for, for like this, like just a normal example. Yeah. I've been working in the UK for the past two years. So I graduated three years ago, did my master's after my undergrads. And then I started working directly. And I remember like for me, one of the questions that I used to ask my colleagues was how much is your salary? Oh, and I mean, back in Lebanon, specifically in the Arab world, that is such a normal question to ask. Yeah, like you could sit with your friends and just chit chat about salaries for hours. Like that's not something that would be considered abnormal or just like or taboo. Oh my God. Yeah. And I remember here, everyone took such a strong stance against it. They were like, you can't talk about money. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Like we need to know if you're getting fairly paid. I mean, I want to know if wow. my pay is the same as yours. What's wrong with that? Yeah. And that's just like a tiny example, you know. No, but that's so interesting. Like, I actually had no idea that that was not a taboo. Like, I also grew up, you know, thinking like, you know, learning that that's something that you're not supposed to discuss and all of that, which it's obviously it's all whole issue as to whether or not that's really should should be the case or not. But I just didn't know that at all, that like that wasn't an issue back there oh my god that's like genuinely such a normal question to ask like you could sit with a friend she would tell you back in lebanon oh i got a new job you would ask the next question how much they're paying you wow okay and that would be the most normal follow-up question you know um and a lot i mean the differences are big even though lebanon is a very liberal country uh compared to its neighboring countries like there's a lot of freedom even though you know corruption and the, the political instability, there is a lot of liberties. I need to give that to the country. Compared to others, that's for sure, given that we are an Arab country. Um, if I want to compare the life I'm having in Beirut, comparing to my life in the UK, I could say that I was more comfortable in Lebanon, back with my family, uh, because London is a constant fight. It's a constant fight against everything, against money, against the standard of living, against finding friends, against um, against time. It's such a fast-paced city. It's such um, a multicultural, huge city. It has a lot of opportunities to offer, but yeah, it's it's tough. Right. Lebanon is more set back. It's more chill. You know, you have your family. You've got your friends you've been seeing for so long. And you get used to the dysfunctional city and get used to your day-to-day. -day. It's everything get repetitive in lab. But here in, in London, it's quite hard. Like, I guess the, the community that you have and that you grew up with in Lebanon makes it, you know, makes it, um, I guess, easier to live with the imperfections. Yeah, exactly. 100%. 
And uh, you were mentioning like things that you started to miss. I guess it could be all sorts of things from like, uh, you know, funny little interactions to perhaps something a little bit more poignant or sentimental. But like, what are some of those little things? I know you've you've touched on some of them in your content, in, in your videos. Uh, what are some other examples of like things that you started to kind of miss or notice that were lacking in your life when you started living in London that you decided to make into sketches, like daily interactions and that sort of thing? I mean, the best example I could give you is just the, 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 the fact that Beirut is a dysfunctional city and everything goes against the morale and ethics okay. of any normal human being. I mean, that's the biggest miss. Um, in terms of a more specific thing, I would say the voice of my mom in the morning, um, her started cleaning at 6 a.m. the house to wake up the entire neighborhood. <laughs> um, her talking on the phone with her distant cousin in the middle of nowhere in Alaska and started shouting <laughs> on the phone to see if they listened to each other. I mean, these are things that every Arab household has. Um, fighting for the bill, that's the biggest thing I miss. You'd never see me with a British person fighting for the bill. They'll literally be splitting penny for penny. Back in Lebanon, you'll fight with your friends to pay the bill. And it's always a constant fight. You know, it's cultural. Or other things like, you know, waking up in the morning and doing your routine. Um, a lot of people have the same routine back in Lebanon. And I, f I feel like in London the routine is so unpredictable and doesn't make you know it doesn't make you relate any, enough i would say these are the things that i miss and okay. that's where i get my inspiration from from my entire life in beirut and my interaction with arabs my skits are inspired by that yeah of course and um i've been watching many of your skits and uh, I, I really enjoy them and i always enjoy the ones where you explore humor in since you were talking about you know your mom's voice like waking people up and being very very loud very present right which of course is also very common in in like in my case for example i'm, I'm from mexico and I, I live in mexico and like my mom is also like that right like growing up i ha i distinctly remember her you know waking up as a child on the weekend especially and like her just you know She's like speaking very loudly on the phone or something. Not, not really shouting, but like speaking very loudly. And like, that would be the first sound I hear in the morning. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. But I wanted to ask about like the videos that you've made where you explore humor in the Arabic language itself. So, I mean, I did take a semester of Arabic, but that was only barely enough to like kind of recognize the the alphabet so i, I really you know I'm, i i unfortunately can't understand them but i do love the ones that you make more for an english-speaking audience about arabic such as I, i think you made a recent one where you translate a whole bunch of words that all sound very similar for example so i wanted to ask you what is it about the arabic language that you think can be enjoyed by audiences who can't speak or understand it For me personally, I want to tell you something. Um, in the beginning of this podcast, I told you I was French educated. One thing in Lebanon you need to know, it's as well very multicultural, um, a lot of backgrounds. And depending on the school you attend, it will define whether or not you have a good level in Arabic. One thing that I would regret in my childhood is that I never really paid attention to the Arabic language. And growing up, I started giving it more a thought because I really wanted to connect with not only Lebanese, Arabs, but a bit more of the entire neighborhood. One thing I want to attest to is Arabic is the sexiest language alive. It's amazing. It's such a rich 
and vivid language, the way you can express yourself with the Arabic words. Um, you can't you can't express yourself with any other language for someone who already speaks four. Um, I love Arabic and growing up, it made me even get better. And most of the time now I listen to Arabic music. I watch um, Arabic drama series. And that video that I did was just to show the complexity of the language. I really wanted to show that one word in Arabic can have countless of meanings. It all depends with the way you say it. It depends with the tone of your voice. So I've done several videos like that where the word yalla or adi or inshallah could be used in so many different ways. And it all depends on the tone of your voice. And similarly, different words in Latin, so in, in English or in French, has the same wording in Arabic, but it just changes one tiny letter in between the Arabic language. And that's the video you were talking about. It's just, I love doing these different videos where I show how the Arabic language can be used. And similarly, all of my friends right now that are not Arabic speakers, and because I only speak Arabic in terms of, there are some words that I love using on a daily basis, they started using them as well. Like, inshallah, everyone says inshallah, you know. Everyone says yalla, everyone says khalas. These are like words that are so common right now. And more and more people are using it because they have such a rich meaning and could be used in so many different ways um, that I love it. I just love it. No, I love that as well. And and um, I wanted to ask you in relation to these videos about the Arabic language itself, uh, and I, I guess also pertains to Arabic culture. I also love the videos where you have like all of these different reactions in different languages and almost always Arabic is the the punchline. So like you kind of really exaggerate or like really, you know, perform in that last one. Right. So I wonder if that's also sort of to do with not only I mean, yes, the language itself, as you said, like it's such a sexy language, but also just the culture itself. Right. Of of being so like enthusiastic about your responses. Right. Exactly. I mean, Arabic is such a descriptive language. If I go to a museum, I'm going to say, and I want to describe um, a painting in English, I could give two sentences, but in Arabic, I could give literally 10 minutes of a monologue and just describing that painting. And when I do those videos where, I mean, I compare different languages, how they would react to a specific situation, and then Arabic comes, well, Arabic is always more grandiose, so it's more descriptive, it's more dramatic, that it's so funny to express yourself in it. And as well, I mean, not only the language, it's, as, it's the culture that comes behind, and it's uh, yourself, how, how you use it to be able to describe that situation. I wanted to ask you also, speaking of like translating, I guess in your content, you make videos for an Arabic speaking audience and then also for a non-Arabic speaking audience, right? So what are some things that you find are harder to translate for a non-Arabic speaking audience? Things that you wish they could understand better if they, if they knew the language? There are words and there are very popular Arab codes that are un, like you cannot translate them. You would try to translate them. It wouldn't make sense because they only make sense in Arabic. And that's, that's the hard part. 
one thing is, yes, I always try to cater to a larger audience, but I made peace long time ago that I wanted to dedicate my comedy page for the Arab world. Recently, I've been exploring um, English as a parallel language to add with my Arabic skits. But the primary language of my page is Arabic. And I don't think I'm going to change that anytime soon. I tried some English videos. I just feel I'm losing my identity behind it. And that's not where my page is. A lot of non-Arabic speakers telling, please, could you do some translations? Could you try to cater to a larger audience? I'm like, you're telling me to cater to a larger audience when the Arab world is nearly 700 million people. I mean, that's large enough. You're t- yeah, it's, not, it's not like I'm catering to 2 million people and you want me to cater for the entire English-speaking world. No, we are 700 million Arabs. Of course, yeah. That's big enough to cater. So yeah, but there are, as again, so some quotes that are very hard to translate, some words that you cannot translate. I mean, inshallah, you cannot translate. Praise God. Even if you, the way inshallah is used or yalla or adi, these are words that are, you could translate them, but you would never understand the true meaning behind it unless you're a real Arab. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I guess now that I was thinking of it, like there, I mean, I can't think of, a word or even like a set of words to like translate inshallah in a way that is so you know equally brief and concise right and and yeah and and meaning the same thing with the same feeling and everything right exactly and i'm glad you say this about you know making a decision to to cater to an arabic speaking audience mostly because I, I i know that you also make some english videos occasionally and you also play around with language certainly right but i love that like you you have that focus and i'm glad you mentioned that because it's true like of course there's a huge audience for your content already right so there's no need to modify it to get an even larger audience especially if you know already what you're doing and like where you are already very funny and like catering to very specific relatable experiences as well i guess right i'm fully committed and i want to stay um in my culture and my language that's the only thing that still connects me back to lebanon given that i'm an immigrant living in london i speak english on a daily basis you know even though i still have some friends that are arabs here in the uk when we go out it's it's mainly english that we speak so having that as a backup where i can always talk and always um share um my culture in it's like a reminder that where I come from and the language that I speak and the language I was born in. So that's for me is amazing. So I'm always keeping it as a backup. Yeah, no, and I love that very much. And uh, speaking of Arabic language and culture, uh, one category that I love uh, of your videos is everything you do with with uh, Arabic language songs, uh, whether it's like the the ones where you're dancing and like sort of lip syncing to all these different songs, uh, and even also the ones where, if I'm not mistaken, you translate some song lyrics, like you 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 translate them into English, and then like for all of us who don't speak Arabic, we're like, wow, that's, that's what it's really saying. Like, that's so amazing. Uh, what are some of your favorite Arabic song lyrics? Ones that like, that went very hard and like you 
perhaps didn't think that they need to go that hard, but it makes them all the more, you know, fun and yeah, ridiculous even, you know. I mean, right now, what I'm translating and I'm using and I'm lip syncing on is what we call in Arabic Mahrajan artists. Mahrajan artists means these are artists for festivals. These are not like real artists. Like you would never see them in a concert. These are artists that you would get in a club to make the place more vivid. And usually these artists use a bit of analogies in their words and like contradictory words and sometimes a, a little and tiny bit of insults in their in their music and people love it you know back in the arab world because it just makes them happy and they feel just for this night they are liberated because words do liberate so when i take those kids and all i listen to them on tiktok you know a real artist singing that in a club and I feel like, what the hell is he saying? Why would he say that? And people dancing around. It's just extremely hilarious. One thing that I could say when you asked me just before in the question, what's so hard to translate? These are very hard to translate. Right. Because it only would make sense in Arabic. You know, I tried one where I said, but in Arabic, it was like, uh, someone asked me for the hour and I answered to him, um, the hour is the time I regretted I ever met you, something like that, you know, which is untranslatable on in an English setting. But in the Arabic language, it's just so funny and such a such a vivid thing to say that you would laugh and dance on. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I watched a few of those videos and like I could understand enough with the translation that it was supposed to be like a burn or like a diss or something like that. But I'm wondering, like, I'm sure I'm like missing out on so many like little details of like word use or like word play and all of that. So yeah, I'm sure that like this translation is just a taste of what, you know, the whole sentence is conveying, right? Exactly. Most of these things are this is right are just to this about society, about woman, about man, about anything that would potentially bother you. It's a this. And sometimes some of these thises in Arabic language are just untranslatable. I try, I try, but you know, it would if you would understand Arabic, it would have been so much more stronger than in English. Yeah, actually, when I watched these videos, I had no idea that they were in the context of what you were describing now. Like, like you usually listen to these songs, you know, in the club. And so, like, there's this party vibe going on. And so I guess, like, when you hear that moment of the song, everyone's like, whoa, you know, like, I guess, like, people react to that very strongly when, when that happens, right? Yeah, like, you would never listen to this at home. Like, you would never sit and just put that kind of music and and chill on it. That's for sure not. Okay. It's literally what we call club music. And the disses come. And usually sometimes I get two artists to this one at each other to make the place even more vivid, to make the place even more intense. Wow, okay. You know? So kind of like a rap battle of sorts. Maybe not really rapping, but with that sort of vibe to it. Yeah. What we call in Arabic, shazal. Okay. That's what it is. I see. So, um, 
I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your experience as a Lebanese person living in the UK. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit. I mean, you've mentioned before about like things that you started to to miss from back home and all of that. And so I guess I wonder if you have anything more to say about like both what, what you like about your life there and also what kind of things still surprise you, you know, in your daily life over there. So I would say the things that I love about London is the stability, that's for sure. There is a security stability, a financial stability. Um, it's a very safe country. You're very respected. Personally, I've never encountered any racism or discrimination because I was Arab. I do have friends that were a bit discriminated for, but I'm not going to lie personally. Um, I never felt that. I feel like the UK is one of the most open and welcoming uh, country in the world, even though it has its problems. Um, Culture-wise, because you're in London and we're like 10 million people, you meet so many people from all over the world that meeting an actual British person and sitting with him and trying to cope with his culture is kind of hard. Things that are shocking potentially are how expensive the city is. Everything is just super fast-paced. And when I say past phase, it's literally it's a fight against time. I feel like the new generation really wants to fight for their worth. And I feel that that's happening more and more of things like that would never happen in the UK now are happening from strikes. They're literally learning from French. A lot of strikes are happening. A lot of people suing each others for minor things. And I feel like they want change. There is a change happening and slowly, slowly they're going to get there. What I miss from back Lebanon, the number one would be the food, the food, the food. That's something that you won't get in any restaurant in the UK. I mean, the food, the ingredients, even the way you eat the meat, the chicken is way different. And these are things, simple things that you would miss, even from the spices that you would use in a normal dish. Some spices are just not available in the UK. Other things is just, you know what, genuinely the dysfunctionality, just people going crazy on the street, driving the way they want to drive, um, getting away with minor things and not getting shouted on. These are things that I miss on a daily basis. I'm not going to lie. I guess that makes sense, right? Like if you if you live in a place that like has so much order to it like if you didn't grow up with that i guess that might be it might be overwhelming sometimes i don't know so i guess like yeah like you get used to a little bit of dysfunction like a little bit of imperfection and of like improvising sometimes right and not really relying on like such strict order all the time i guess you mentioned the food of course so i i wanted to ask you actually what do you have a favorite lebanese comfort food i'm sure there are many but like anything in particular i can name 25 dishes hummus <laughs> um even back to the shawarma oh my god i don't want to talk about food i can't i just miss the taste <laughs> <laughs> okay okay um i love what you mentioned about obviously london being such a diverse city and i thought it was interesting that you said like it's actually kind of hard to find i guess a british person who doesn't have like a, like a heritage from somewhere else who is just like their family is always from the uk and all of that so i wonder in that 
city, of course, how easy is it to find a community of other Lebanese people or Arabic speakers? And do you really engage with that a lot? You mentioned it a little bit earlier, like when you go out and like sometimes there's Arabic uh, people uh, as well, but also like there's a, it's a lot of English as well. So I wanted to ask you that, like how how is your relationship to Arabic speaking and maybe particularly to Lebanese community in, in London? So there is a big community. There is a big community of Lebanese people. A lot of Lebanese expats are based in London. People that came like me to study or people that came straight to start working. As you may know, Lebanese people are hard work. We're very smart people and genuinely I wish if the, my country was not as corrupted as it is. I believe that Lebanon could have been right now one of the best countries to live in uh, because we have so many bright people, but it's sad to see them all um, leave uh, and fly away. Um, nevertheless, there is a huge community of uh, Lebanese and non-Lebanese Arab speakers in London. It's very easy to find them. Back in uni, I had another friend that we met, um, some friends that back in Lebanon, now they are based in London, so we are in touch. And then, you know, it's it's very easy. It's, if you're an extroverted and a social person, you know, meeting one person leads to meeting to another, and it's just, you know, it's just a domino effect after that. But even though... Um, there are Arabs and Lebanese, you know, why you just tend to speak English with them and you just get used to speaking English with them because that's the language you use on a daily basis. And sometimes you forget your roots behind. But I would say there is a lot of supportive people in the UK and finding your, uh, your supportive cushion, it's, it's not that hard. It's easy. Well, that's interesting. I also, I mean, from what I know about Arabic, which which is not too much, but like what I have like heard or read from people who speak it and, and you know, just from experience is that, of course, Arabic dialects are very different from country to country, right? And I was wondering that when you mentioned the thing about like catering to such a wide Arabic speaking audience, uh, I wonder if like, of course, knowing that there's such a diversity like between different countries, like can it be hard to like understand Arabic from from other countries as well, or like how how does that work when you meet someone who is from a different country who perhaps speaks in a different dialect or like has different words for things? How how is that relationship? Sometimes I swear I say thank God I was born Lebanese because our dialect is the if you want is like the type O blood. Oh. We are. We give to everyone. We cater to everyone. We have the easiest dialect out of the entire Arab world. Everyone understands us. I could speak Lebanese with anyone in Morocco, in Iraq, in Saudi, they would get us. The only thing is we wouldn't get them. Oh, I see. Unfortunately, I would say there are three major um, dialects, four to be honest, I would say they are what we call the Levant dialect, which englobes Lebanon, Syria, Palestine, and Iraq. They have similar dialects. You would understand each other's. Then there is the Gulf dialect, which is Saudi, Yemen, Qatar, Kuwait, um, UAE, uh, Bahrain. So these have the same dialect. Then you have the Egyptian dialect itself. So you would, if you want, I could put Lebanese and Egyptian in the same pedestal. Everyone would understand them, but us, we wouldn't understand them. Right. Because what the reason is, because Lebanon and Egypt has always been the birth of culture. 
the main biggest singers are Lebanese and Egyptian. The main biggest actors are Lebanese and Egyptian. The main biggest dancers are Lebanese and Egyptian. So that's why these artists has catered to the entire Arab world. And then the last dialect, I call it the North African dialect or the Amazigh dialect would be Algeria, Tunisia, Moroccan, Libya. They have kind of similar dialect. For me personally, me, for someone who reads a lot and I, every day I learn something new with the Arabic language, I would say the Gulf, the Levant, the Egyptian dialect, I could genuinely understand on a conversational basis. I could speak it. But the hardest dialect of them all would be the North African one. The Moroccan one, nothing. Oh, wow. I wouldn't get a word, they say. I've always found that so fascinating because like from what I understand like it's it's the same language but it's also a, a, such a different dialect that like speakers of the same language can't can't really understand each other right that at least not not easily yeah i mean you could take the french and the haitian oh right you know the creole what we say the creole creole and french are very it's like creole literally is like 90% of french is the way they use the word is different um it's kind of similar right and I, I like what you mentioned about like the, the Lebanese and Egyptian dialects being so particularly well known because I guess so much, as you said, so much media is created there and distributed throughout the Arabic speaking world, right? So I guess that would make a lot of sense. I guess to some extent I can relate to that in like the Mexican Spanish, for example, is almost is quite ubiquitous in all of Latin America. And so like people from all over Central and South America like are very familiar with, you know, Spanish language content made in Mexico, whereas like people from Mexico don't really you know, get so many influences from the rest of the of the continent, for example. Of course, it's like Spanish, I think, is much more, from what I understand, mutually intelligible throughout everywhere than Arabic is. I don't know that there are different um, worlds in that sense, but I guess in that way that it's similar, right? Like there's usually one or two countries that have like a concentration of media that, that is distributed everywhere. And so people understand those dialects or, or accents. I mean, Mexican telenovelas are so famous and translated everywhere that it makes sense that the Spanish Mexican is well, the most listened to. And similarly, it's the same for the Arab world, like Egyptian and, Arab and Lebanese are the birth of like the biggest drama series. And that's why when everyone watches them, you have no choice but to actually try and get their dialect. Just out of curiosity, are, are Mexican telenovelas popular at all in, in Lebanon or in... There are some shows that have been translated in Arabic, some of them, like your biggest ones. I would say you have one called The, uh, the Forbidden Apple. Oh, okay. I mean, that was one that has been translated and widely distributed back in the Arab world. But what I would say... We have such an amazing production team. I mean, similarly to Bollywood and Hollywood, you know, some Lebanese movies and some Egyptian movies got to the Cannes Festival, got to get a, a huge prizes, you know, that Arabs will not want to watch anything that has a dubbed language into it or that is different than theirs because we have a great production. We get great series. We get great movies that we don't need to go and fetch from somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Great. So I have just one more question before uh, like a very quick lightning round of questions. Is there anything you'd like to share about what else you'd like to explore with your content in the future? I know you've talked about like 
deciding on catering to an Arabic speaking audience mostly. So I wanted to ask you if there's anything else you're planning that you would like to share or anything that you're interested in exploring. I mean, Arab fashion, it's something. Um, Arab wear, like I would say, that's something that I want to start hitting slowly and mainly integrating in my content. We're showing different Arab outfits, potentially. Fashion is something that it's an avenue that I want to, you know, I want to diverse in. I would mean as well the cultural things that I would do, the differences in languages. These videos are very popular and people love them. And this is something I want to do more and more. And definitely something that I've been doing recently. I travel a lot. I'm a big, I love discovering the world and discovering new cultures. So before I used never to post about my travel, my traveling, because I would consider that as a personal thing. But more and more now, I want to showcase that in my content. And I think these are like the three avenues that I want to explore. That's great. Okay, so now we're going to move to a very quick lightning round. It's just three questions. The first one is, if you could take a pill and automatically be able to speak another language, what would it be? I know you already speak four from what I understand, so... Italian. Why was that? I love it. I don't know. I just feel is as descriptive as Arabic. It's so vivid. And I just love Italian culture. It's a language that I really want to explore. And I think I'm going to put Duolingo and potentially, you know, learn it. Awesome. Yeah. So next question. Um, do you have a favorite untranslatable word in Arabic? You already mentioned a few in, in the interview, but like, is there any others that you, that you like? Adi. Okay. And I know I just said untranslatable. How would you describe it to someone like who doesn't know what it means? Or It has a hundred meanings. Okay. It all depends on the way you say it. I see. Adi could mean normal. Adi could mean you're exaggerating. Adi could mean let's go. It has so many meanings. It just depends. You can use it literally anywhere, anytime any instances. So it's one of those words that you just have to kind of like grow up using and like in so many different contexts. Yeah. And um, final one, if you could have any artist perform at your birthday party or any big event, who would you invite? Nancy Ajram. Okay. For me, she's one of the greatest modern Arab artists to exist. Her music is always new, always freshening up. She goes from sad music to pop music to dance music. I feel like she's explored so many genres. Um, she's loved. She has a great family. She's very family oriented. She's very faithful. I love that. Awesome. I'll, I'll be sure to check her out because I haven't, I haven't listened to her music. What? Even Billie Eilish said that she was a fan. Okay. <laughs> I need to catch up then. <laughs> Maybe I've, I've listened and I just haven't realized it, but I'll definitely check her out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tufik, for, for this interview. Thank you for your time and for sharing all of this with us. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm really happy to be here and talking about the Arabic world, the Arabic culture, the Arabic language. And I'm, 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 I'm nice to meet you. Thank you so much. So just to end, uh, do you want to like remind us where we can find your content? And sure. So you can find my content on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Tufiluk, which is a T-O-U-F for France, I-L-U-K. You'll love it if you like fast-paced skits, things that are easy to understand and that are minimalistic yet funny. Follow me. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much. 
Thank you very much to Tufik for this amazing conversation. I especially loved what he said about the Arabic language and how much you can express with just a few words. I'm glad he shared so much with us and allowed us to understand his content a little bit better as non-Arabic speakers. Anyway, you can check out Tufik's work on TikTok and Instagram at Tufiluk. That's at T-O-U-F-I-L-U-K. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ochenta Podcasts and on TikTok at Studio Ochenta. You can also watch this season's interviews and more of our shows on our YouTube channel at Ochenta Podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, it's Luis here. And I want to tell you about a show we've been listening to called The Pulso Podcast. There are a lot of podcasts that cover Latino culture and news, but this is one of the first we've heard that really utilizes the throughline of history to provide more context and nuance to our stories. From the halls of Congress to the stages of Broadway, even the food we consider to be American, Latinos helped build this country. And we're not going anywhere. Yet most podcasts are still lacking Latino representation behind and in front of the mic. The Pulso Podcast is a Latina-hosted, Latina-produced show that explores untold stories and unheard voices shaping the experiences of nuestra gente. They've covered topics from beauty standards and gender equality to mental health and food origins. And did you know that there is an official Spanish version of the Star-Spangled Banner? Or that a team of Mexican lawyers changed the future of segregation laws in the 50s? To hear more, check out the Pulso podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.